It is a Thursday crossover edition between the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Aggies podcast. Can Shane Beamer the Gamecocks get two straight wins over the Aggies, or will Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M find a way to get revenge from last season? Before Andrew Stefaniak and I jump into today's crossover show, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. And now, on to the show. Hello, Gamecock Nation and Aggie Nation. Welcome to this crossover edition between the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Aggies podcast, where we cover your respective teams every single day. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, joined by Locked On Aggies host Andrew Stefaniak. So it's a two-for-one special regards to Andrew's on today's show. Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? Well, I'm doing good. I don't know why. I just, like, looked I've lost my color on screen. I'm I'm out of town this week. I'm at my parents right now recording. So if you can't see me, I don't know why, but I'm doing good. Good to talk to you. Going to be a great time talking about this ball game. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before as kind of one of the more eccentric matchups in the SEC. The fact that Texas A&M and South Carolina, I believe they're the farthest apart in terms of distance. Uh, out of all the schools in this conference, but yet they play every single year. But nonetheless, uh, this is a series that for the first time, really since the beginning, finally has a bit more intrigue because South Carolina, after having not won a game since Texas A&M joined the conference in 2014, or excuse me, 2012, the series starting in 2014, South Carolina had not won a game until this past fall, and they won a really big-time thriller in Columbia 30 to 24 I want to say so coming into this year's game the Aggies are in a rare position where they're going to be looking for some revenge so Andrew for the Gamecock fans that have maybe not seen Texas A&M play up to this point in the season what has been sort of the biggest storyline with the Aggies to this point it's been a season where things went wrong storylines wise Starting quarterback Connor Wigman goes down against Auburn. He is, of course, done for the year. We talked about a lot over on Locked on Aggies how you got a great backup in Max Johnson. I would argue one of the best backups in the SEC, which is a good thing to have. You know, we see schools time and time again. You lose your starter, and then, uh uh-oh, what now? We see that happen with with Texas A&M. When Wigman goes down, I'm like, okay, we're going to be all right. There's more of a drop-off than I imagined and I think many Aggie fans imagined. And Max Johnson, he's been fine, but he, he really isn't winning you ball games. It seems like he's he's not losing you ball games in essence. And that's been a storyline that I think is a bit concerning. And then the secondary has been a big issue, which is why this South Carolina matchup with an experienced quarterback over there on the other sideline a little bit has me concerned. Yeah, no, since you just brought it up, uh, that's been my biggest storyline for this team so far this season is the play of Spencer Rattler. Um, there was definitely a lot of questions, I think, that came from multiple people around the college football sphere 
regarding, you know, what Spencer Rattler could do this year, because obviously it was a bit of a letdown in 2022 when you take out the Tennessee and Clemson matchups and the performances he put up in those two contests. And what it, it turns out the issue was, was coaching. You know, it was play calling on that side of the ball because you have a new offensive coordinator now in Dow Loggins that's come in who has streamlined this offense to Spencer Rattler's strengths. And Spencer Rattler, he is, I think, having the best year of his career, including that freshman season or retro freshman campaign at Oklahoma when he won a Big 12 championship with the Sooners. Rattler has grown up a lot, both on and off the football field, and he has shown that this year. But, um, you know, there's a reason why South Carolina, at least as of the time of this recording, only has two victories this season. And that's because of the fact that everything around him offensively has just not been all that great. You know, South Carolina's offensive line has been a work in progress, to say the least. They've gotten much better since their Week 1 disaster performance against the North Carolina Tar Heels. But that's a unit that, you know, I think is going to have to get better over the course of a couple of years. It's not going to take place overnight. And then the running back room, you really in truth only have one solid every down tailback right now and Mario Anderson Jr. And then out wide, you know, you mentioned the Aggies and their issues in the secondary. Well, South Carolina to this point, they've only had one receiver that's consistently been able to make people pay for their mistakes. And that is Xavier Leggett. But granted, Xavier Leggett's been one of the best receivers in the SEC and all of college football. Was just named last week a midseason All-American by the Associated Press. So people have been paying attention to what number 17's been doing in the Garnet and Black. So when I look at this in terms of matchups, Andrew, to start off with South Carolina's offense going up against Texas A&M's defense, I think that this is going to come down to the play in the trenches. South Carolina offensively, I mentioned earlier, they've struggled to protect Spencer Rattler. The Gamecocks have given up 82 pressures in their first six games. That's not counting the Missouri game that's going to take place in a day or two. That's 13.6 pressures given up per game. The Aggies on the other side, they've accumulated 80 pressures in their first seven contests just along the defensive line. That's 11.4 pressures racked up per contest. Now, I know some injuries have been um, unfolding at that spot. A couple guys have gotten dinged up. So, how have you, um, what have you seen from that defensive line unit? Who has been sort of the biggest standout amongst that group? I'd say a guy who, unless reports are positive, we might not see in this ball game, and that'd be Walter Nolan. He goes down against Tennessee and Neyland. It's one of those, I, all I've seen report-wise from that is it's not as bad as we thought. I would still lean toward it's not as bad as we thought, meaning he's missing this contest. Uh, you know, as an Aggie fan, I hope not, but he's been a monster. He was one of those 2022 commits in that crazy recruiting class that kind of just took this second-year leap at Texas A&M, and he's putting up big numbers. And then coming off the edge, you got a guy, Fadil Diggs. He'll be out there. He's talented. He's starting to pick it up, uh, three sacks in his last couple games. He was the guy who I thought was going to be your off-the-edge, watch out, here he comes, pass rusher. He wasn't that to begin the year, and he's kind of heating up. So I think that you could see him kind of have, have have another good ball game against South Carolina. And But those are the guys. You got McKinley Jackson coming up the middle. And then uh, Shamar Turner and Shamar Stewart, call them the Shamars, both talented players. They're coming through you from the defensive line. It's just been a really talented group that has found a way to get pressure all season long. And funny enough, 
you know, those stats say a lot when you break them down per game. I would take it a step further. I don't have those numbers in front of me. But the Miami game, they got no pressure in that loss because the coach, uh, DJ Durkin, the defensive coordinator, he he was drawing up. He was sending eight or, you know, dropping eight and sending three, and they were getting no pressure. And Van Dyke from Miami had four hours and 32 seconds in the pocket, and then that's why he's picking apart the secondary. They changed that strategy, and now they're getting pressure every game. I mean, bam, bam. It seems like every play. So I think those numbers are even a little more like if you take out some of the early games and just look at SEC play, the numbers are absurd how much pressure they've gotten. Yeah, no, it's amazing what some schematic changes will do, especially when a coordinator who realizes he's got five-star talent up front decides to not just rush three guys. You know, simple math right there, DJ Durkin. But, yeah, uh, I think that this is going to be one of the more talented defensive lines that South Carolina has faced by far all season long. South Carolina's already faced a couple good ones, but the Aggies, just in terms of what they've got on paper, they might end up being the best. Now, when it comes to play in the trenches, it's also going to be important for both of these teams on the other side of the ball. So Texas A&M's offensive line going to get South Carolina's defensive line. And we're going to touch on that matchup and maybe the most intriguing factor to watch for both of these teams in this contest. We'll dive into all of that in a little bit more detail in just a few moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks and Locked On Aggies. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app out there because it is the easiest and simplest daily fantasy sports app to use. All you got to do is select anywhere from two to six athletes from a variety of different sports and decide whether or not they're going to go more than or less than their projected stat line for their upcoming game. The Carolina Panthers, ironically enough, are going to be taking on the Houston Texans this coming Sunday afternoon, and Prize Picks has set CJ Stroud's projected stat line at 239 and a half passing yards. I think CJ Stroud is going to throw for less than that amount. Do you think that's the case, or do you think he's going to throw for more than that total? No matter what your decision is, go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college and promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available when you need to fill out certain roles. You don't want someone who's inhospitable to work at your bed and breakfast company. You probably don't want someone who can't pan fry an egg to be a chef at your restaurant. If you are having issues finding people to fill out these positions in your small business, then you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs today. Just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring and utilize tools like screening questions to filter through the candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. Because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply.
Welcome back to this Thursday crossover edition between the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Aggies podcast where we cover your teams every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make us your first watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Now, Andrew, we were talking just a couple moments ago about the Texas A&M defensive line going against South Carolina's offensive line. So now let's flip the script. Let's talk about the other side of that matchup with South Carolina's defensive line going against the Aggies offensive line. I have seen where, based on the numbers, the Aggies offensive line, they have also struggled to keep their quarterback upright. They've given up 79 pressures in their first seven games. That averages out to 11.3 pressures given up per contest. South Carolina's defensive line, while this won't be the final number coming into this game, in their first six contests of the year, they've accumulated 69 pressures. That's 11.5 pressures per game. So this one, from a number standpoint, is about dead even when you combine sort of what everybody's been doing in both of those groups. So I know that this is a unit, Andrew, that a lot of Aggie fans thought was going to take a step forward this year because last year there was a lot of injuries. There were some young guys that got kind of thrown to the fire, so to speak. And so there was a lot of optimism that this was a group that would take a massive step forward. Why do you believe they haven't taken that step, at least based on what the numbers say? Well, you're right. They haven't. I don't know if you're a believer, Andrew, in the PFF grade. Are you Are you a believer in the PFF grade? I like their statistics Okay, overall. But. So I know some aren't, some are. But but the offensive line on PFF has graded out atrociously. It, it just and like you said, just to add another statistic to what you said. It just the offensive line has not been good. You had a center in Bryce Foster who we thought was going to be one of the best centers in college football this year. He's banged up last year, coming back. We thought he was going to have a great year. He can't snap the ball right. He keeps snapping it low or high. And then he's given up all these pressures, and, he, and especially last week against Tennessee, or uh, coming off bye weeks, so or two weeks ago against Tennessee. But right, you know, this is just this is just extremely frustrating. This watching this offensive line, because as you said, they were supposed to take this massive step this year. Talented guys, and and you could argue it's the same story as as a lot of Jimbo Fisher teams at Texas A and M. Sure, there's talent, but what, what, when does it pan out? This offensive line, you're right, and it's been – not only have they just been – you know, there's been stunts. There's been uh, things that opposing teams are doing, but they're also just flat out getting beat. You know, just – I mean, I get it. If you if you lose on a stunt, I can almost get over that. If right. you just get manhandled and thrown to the ground, that is when I'm a little frustrated. And there's, there's a lot of both. So it, this team, they don't pick up well. It's been frustrating. It's been concerning. Now – to kind of flip side that and, and try and put on my optimism hat, you did just play Alabama and Tennessee. Right. Who right are right up there, I would say, defensive line-wise, front seven-wise, when it comes to getting pressure with the Aggies for top teams in the SEC, top teams in the country. For sure. So I, I think that – because here's the deal. Against Auburn and against Arkansas – there were a few pressures, but it wasn't like, oh, 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 what? you know, against against uh, Tennessee and Alabama. I mean, every time Max Johnson threw the football, he got hammered. And so, you know, I think it could be one of those could have just been those two teams. And they're they're You know, I'm not saying they were great against Auburn and Arkansas in Miami, but they were fine. They were not fine against 
Tennessee and Bama. So I think if they're fine against South Carolina, you can win this football game. I think if they're atrocious, that's when the Gamecocks are going to come and, and, and upset you at your place. So, yes, they were t- supposed to take this step. They haven't. It's been frustrating, and the quarterbacks are paying the price. Yeah, and Andrew, talking about South Carolina's defensive line when it comes to this matchup, you know, I will say, going into this year, it was kind of the opposite, if you're a Gamecock fan, talking about this defensive line unit. There, the expectation was not sky high. Uh, this was a unit that we did feel like it, it was going to take a step back. It was not going to be the greatest in terms of pass rush. Now, the interior guys, I think fans felt pretty good about, and they got a solid trio in there with Alex Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, and TJ Sanders. I would argue at least two of those guys, especially on their best days, they're all SEC caliber defensive linemen. But the edge position group has been kind of the biggest um, scuttlebutt for this group, right? You, you returned Jordan Stratton from a torn ACL injury last year, obviously one of the worst injuries for a football player, any athlete to go through. And he's been kind of waking his mate back as the season progresses. But behind him, the issue is that there's a lot of just unproven guys at this level, guys that are, again, just kind of having to build up the experience and try to get better as things go along. And as you and I both well know in the SEC, uh, that's a lot easier said than done. If you're playing in maybe a lesser power five conference or a group of five conference, Sure, you can maybe get by with that. But in the SEC, with the coaching and the talent in this league, that's just not feasible. So this is a unit that has not won one-on-one matchups very easily by themselves. And the even more frustrating part, at least from the way I view these football games, is I feel like there's times where the coaching staff is not creative enough in terms of how they blitz. They do a lot of cross-dog type stuff with their linebackers, Stone Blanton and Debo Williams, when those two guys are in the football game. So basically kind of getting them to just cross-face, go to an opposite gap, or just basically uh, bomb rush the interior, line them all up on the line of scrimmage. But the problem is that it's almost so scripted that the offense can see the blitz coming. It's not very difficult to figure out where the guys are coming from and how many are probably coming. And so that has made it easier, in my opinion, for offenses to game plan for that in the game. And it has made it more difficult for South Carolina, even when they've brought extra guys, to still get to the quarterback. So uh, by this point, who knows? Maybe South Carolina's changed things up schematically. And that kind of leads me into another matchup that I'm looking at in this football game. Whoever South Carolina lines up at nickel corner against Anias Smith. Anias Smith, from what I have read, he is the main slot receiver for the Texas A&M Aggies, and he's been one of the top targets for whoever's been playing quarterback back there up to this point in the season. For South Carolina, the reason I bring up this matchup is because they have struggled mightily, and that's putting it nicely, to cover SEC slot receivers. Ricky Pearsall torched them when the Gators came to town. Um, Let's see. Tulu Griffin from Mississippi State broke school records playing against this secondary when Mississippi State came to Columbia back in week four. And Squirrel White for Tennessee had a pretty solid game in week five against uh, Nick Emmonwary. Now, granted, there's been some injuries there, and um, maybe some guys have played there just because they had to. But they've been playing three safeties basically on the football field for the past several games. Nick Emmonwary's been the main guy there. He's been a bit dinged up, and to be honest with you, he's just kind of playing out of position, it feels like. He's a box safety, not necessarily a nickel corner. Good football player, but that doesn't mean you can play just every position on the back end. So I say all that to ask you this, Andrew. Um, for Anaya Smith in this football game, do you feel like that this is a matchup that favors the Aggies based on everything I just said? Or is there maybe reason to think that, you know, it could be a little bit more even heading into this game? 
Anaya Smith is an incredibly talented football player. Shifty, he's his shiftiness. He's one of those guys you got to watch the highlight tape on. Great punt returner as well. He's just one of those dudes you got to get the football in his hands. And I'll be honest with you, they haven't been getting the football in his hands as much as I would have liked. He's tied with Evan Stewart for the team lead in receiving yards. But I just think that you got to get him the football more you, because you it, it, and it doesn't have to be downfield throws. It doesn't have to be go balls. It can be slants. You have to get him the football and make him and let him make people miss. That's how he's going to win. So, you know, if you're telling me how down or, or struggling the nickel corner is for the Gamecocks or has been thanks to injuries, whatever reasons, that's a matchup that the Aggies need to try to exploit. They need to try to feed Anaya Smith. They have this mantra Coach Petrino does, and it's feed the studs. And then I go, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. And then you look at the box store, and it's like, well, why didn't you feed the studs? <laughs> and um, I think that's what Anaya Smith and then Evan Stewart on the outside, those are the two guys. If they if they don't have seven-plus targets every game, I just want to drive and just like go to Kyle Field and go sit Coach Petrino in a room and have like an intervention and say, hey, Let's figure this out. It, but and that's what's first. So they have got to find a way to get the football in those guys' hands multiple times in this ball game, especially Anaya Smith because of the shiftiness. He didn't. He had one catch again the previous week in Tennessee for twenty yards. One catch. No, he should have a lot more targets than that. If Max Johnson has time in the pocket, I think he'll be able to find a nice and a nice could have a big game. But like I said, he's a guy you're going to throw him slants. You're going to throw him bubble screens. You're going to throw him stuff close to the line of scrimmage, maybe like 15 yards downfield, some crossers. You're not going to see him running go routes, uh, posts, stuff like that. So that's the type of receiver he is. But no, if it's a matchup where the Gamecocks are struggling there, you could see them try and unleash the beast with Nia Smith on Saturday. Well, Gamecock fans, there's your answer. If they have not made any different adjustments with that nickel corner spot, it's going to be even more imperative for the Gamecocks defensive line to try to get home and get to Max Johnson on Saturday. When we come back in just a couple moments, Andrew and I are going to go into maybe a little X factor for both of these teams that you need to pay attention to, and we'll give our final predictions on how this game is going to play out. All of that in just a couple of moments. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. Snap it to the NFL action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but the Carolina Panthers are taking on the Houston Texans this upcoming Sunday. And FanDuel currently has the Panthers as three Point underdogs and the money line for the Panthers is set at plus 138. So, do y'all think the Panthers can pull off the upset, or do you Texans fans think that you're going to win this game pretty easily? No matter what you think, now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Aggies podcast. It's a crossover show between the two Andrews of SEC Country in the Locked On Podcast Network. Andrew Lyon of Locked On Gamecocks and Andrew Stefaniak of Locked On Aggies. Andrew, let's now just real quickly look at an X factor for both of these teams before we get into our final predictions. And I'll start for South Carolina I think the biggest X factor, and this one might be an obvious one considering, you know, the venue, but I think it's how does South Carolina, most importantly, start this game in Kyle Field. South Carolina, you look at their road schedule, and you might go to the SEC office and question, what the heck did South Carolina do to y'all to deserve this kind of roads? Because they have played, four, the, the four games they're playing away from home this season, including uh, the neutral site game, so actually five. They played North Carolina Charlotte in week one. That's obviously a school-based decision. They played at Georgia in week three, had to go to Knoxville in week five, playing at Texas A&M this week, played at Missouri the week before that. All of that before the month of November, by the way. So that's a lot of really tough road environments. And South Carolina, they've not necessarily played well away from home. And based on the venues, you could see probably why that's been the case. So... For an offensive line especially, that coming to this game, unless something happens in the Missouri game, they're starting two freshmen, Tree Babalade at left tackle and Trevon Baugh at right guard. They have now, at this point, played in front of multiple opposing venues, a ton of fans, Sanford Stadium in Tennessee in particular, now Missouri on top of that. Uh, they have, they, they've been tested, is my overall point. So I'm curious to see how they handle this environment, because obviously Kyle Field is one of the most renowned home environments in the SEC and all college football because of the tradition and obviously the pack, the fact that you pack in around 100,000 fans into that stadium. So that's going to be, in my opinion, the biggest X factor for South Carolina. But for you, Andrew, what's the biggest X factor for Texas A&M coming into this game? I think that the biggest X, the biggest X factor for the Aggies is the offensive line play. And I, I talk about it because it opens up so much. I, I always discuss it as, you know, first of all, the offensive lineman, former high school offensive lineman. I wasn't very good, but I played. And, you know, you never get the credit. So I, I was part of that. You get it. And right. so what, what the offensive line does to make an offense flow, I still don't think people fully understand and appreciate. And so if – the offensive line, they have to get push on run plays and give the quarterback time and pass plays. That's why it's so important. If you're doing neither of those two things, then you're not going to run the ball and your quarterback's going to be living on his back. So an offensive line that we've talked about has been struggling. They've got to find a way to get a push. The Texas a run game, I didn't talk about that ton, but has not been great. It's been fine you know it's one of those you look at it and you go it hasn't been awful hasn't been awesome it's just been meh fine whatever kind of uh, and i've been saying it for weeks and weeks now you got to get going on the ground and it I, frankly i i've been watching i mean obviously watch replays of the games I, I don't think it's on the running backs as much as it is this offensive line i mean these running backs are getting contacted 
early into the carry. So I think that this offensive line has got to make a statement this week. You got to get some push. You got to give Max Johnson time because we're getting close to the danger zone in College Station to where if you, if you, you know, you still got to go to LSU and to Ole Miss and you already got three losses up on the board. You know, that's why I talked about this game. This is a must win for Texas A&M. If you don't win this football game and then you don't find a way to beat either LSU or Ole Miss, we're looking at six and six with a top five team based on talent in college football. That's not very good, I don't think. So the point is, uh, to, uh, I'm rambling about my frustrations with this football team, but the offensive line needs to have a good game. That's the X factor, X factor in this ball game. I think if they play well, I think that the Aggies are, are going to take care of business here. If they struggle and Rattler shows off that cannon of an arm he's got and puts up a big number in the in the box score, Gamecocks could sneak up on you in this ball game. So I guess with all that bearing in mind, Andrew, uh, now that leads us to our final predictions. I'll go ahead and start with you. Do you think the Aggies are going to win this game, a game that you have just stated as a must-win game for Jimbo Fisher and the staff? I do. I, I feel more confident knowing this game is in Kyle Field. Like you said, um, everybody, it's hard to not feel good when you're playing at home. For anybody, I mean, Sandstorm, for you Gamecock fans, that's awesome. I would love to be a part of that one day. Not like in the press box, I want to be like down there doing it. But um, I, I just think that the Aggies win this game based on home field advantage. I, I think that, you know, it's two teams who are have underperformed their expectations this year. I do still think Texas A&M is a better football team. I'm a believer in Coach Beamer and what he's doing. I think it's going to happen for South Carolina. But clearly, as the record states, it isn't this year. So I, I think the Aggies win this one. Um, I, and I do personally, I think they win it. I, I think they win it by two possessions. Andrew, I think I'm in agreement with your line of thinking for this game. I don't think that um, either team that wins, I don't think it's necessarily going to be like a runaway game for the victor here. But yeah, I think that when I look at this game, I do not like the fact that South Carolina, once again, is not just facing a really good defensive line unit, but they're facing them in their home ballpark. Like you had to deal with that with Tennessee already in Knoxville. And that was just a nightmarish game, which... I would have kind of seen coming, you know, from South Carolina side things when that game took place. I'm not going to say it's going to be that bad once again, because again, at least now those young guys are like, okay, well, we've been put through this once before. So now we kind of know, you know, what to expect with playing in a away venue and facing that kind of D line. But again, you, you brought it up now several times. The talent level for the Aggies is ridiculous up front. And if South Carolina were to win this game, I think it would have to be a game where basically the offensive coordinator, Dow Loggins, he would have to call for a lot of quick hitters, to the edge, just get the ball out fast, and basically tell Xavier to get, and the rest of the guys, go win your one-on-ones, go make plays in the open field, win this football game. And again, Xavier to get, he can do that kind of thing. The issue is that there's just not really another guy like that behind him. There's guys that can make a play here or there, but consistently for 60 minutes, uh, I just don't see a guy like that on this roster at the moment that's healthy. So... I think Texas A&M also wins. I think that they win by, you know, a couple scores, 10 to 14 points. Again, if you're South Carolina, I think it's all about the start in this game, just to keep things simple. If you can at least match what Texas A&M does early in a positive way, then I think that you just might give yourself a chance. But if you let Texas A&M pull away by a couple scores the first quarter, then things can snowball and it can just be all downhill from there for the Gamecocks. 
He is Andrew Stefaniak of Locked On Aggies. I'm Andrew Lyme of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's crossover show. For you Gamecock fans, if you're interested in checking out what Andrew Stefaniak has been discussing with this matchup, feel free to go check him out over at Locked On Aggies on X or Twitter or whatever the heck you call it these days. And also check out Locked On Aggies on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts. Same deal for you Aggie fans. If you're interested in checking out what I've been saying about this matchup, go check out Locked On Gamecocks on YouTube, wherever you get your audio podcasts, and you can find me on Twitter X at a lion underscore SC. The lion is spelled L-Y-O-N. I know it's pronounced like the animal, but get that a lot, so just wanted to throw that out there as well. But Andrew, appreciate you coming on, and great doing this with you. For all of you Gamecock and Aggie fans, have a great rest of your day, and we will catch y'all on our next shows on the Locked On Gamecocks and the Locked On Aggies podcast.